don't get to do that very often, so I have to use it. Well, good morning, everybody. Is it morning? It's a new year. How many of you have gotten a lot of sleep the last few days? Anybody in here? Just a couple of you? Okay, I've gotten rest. That's dangerous, you know, when I have excess energy. But uh, that's where we're at today, so it's a good thing. Um, uh, my name is Mark Buckner, and I lead the staff here at CFCF, and I'm still trying to get to know you, you're getting to know me, and so I have a couple of important questions related to humor this morning. <laughs> just trying to survey, you know, humor's a dangerous thing, and uh, you, can, you can just really think you've got a bullseye thing and just totally bomb. So uh, a little bit about me. A significant juncture in my life when I was 16 years old, a friend of mine invited me to a double feature. It was, uh, the first film was The Greatest of Bugs Bunny, and uh, the second film I'd never heard of, but he, he was required to write a paper on this film for his class. It was called Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And um, so uh, how many of you are more like you got to vote, Bugs Bunny or Monty Python right now, okay? Uh, Bugs Bunny humor in here, okay? Monty Python humor, okay. Well, the bad news is that's kind of my humor. So, uh, I, uh, you know, for Neil, I honor him by saying British humor is kind of where I flow a little bit of a dry thing. So I can say something and I have to tell people that was supposed to be funny just so that they can keep up with me in the process. But uh, today, we are starting off the new year by asking the Lord for wisdom. I want to burn that into our hearts today. And I, I love asking God for wisdom. I value wisdom. Uh, I think it's one of the very first verses for somehow and, that I got a hold of in James chapter 1, that you could ask for something and God would just give it liberally to you. And so I've probably asked that along with a uh, passage in Ephesians chapter 1 more than anything in my life. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit, but we're starting off really by going over to the dark side. We're going to talk about the absolute opposite of wisdom, and it's called the Darwin Awards. And um, for those of you, how many of you Darwin Award people, you're aware of what the Darwin Awards are? Again, this is kind of sick humor in this crowd. <laughs> but uh, for those of you that don't know, it's, the Darwin Awards are people that uh, 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 self-selected out of the gene pool because of uh, some act in their life that was not that intelligent. But just as an example... Uh, you know, this, I, this is something I could spend hours on. This is just fascinating. But uh, uh, one example was a, a guy who, he didn't really win the award, but he got honorable mention for the award because he, didn't, he wasn't successful in what he was trying to do. He was trying to commit suicide, and he decided what, the way he would do it would, was by swallowing a lot of nitroglycerin pills and then running into a wall. Now, what do you think, Andrew? What's the possibility? I mean, you deal with chemicals and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So he was not successful, but he got an honorable mention. Just, you know, he's out there. Now, 
I, again, some of these things are complicated. It gets kind of dicey. So what we're going to do is just go with something really simple with a couple of images right in front of you. So these are examples of the Darwin Awards right here. So, uh, you know, unintelligent things. So, okay, where are the CrossFitters in the room? Okay, so it's good, good, uh, good, good uh, posture there. Something could go wrong. I don't know if you can see this. This is a tractor pull and with a very large exhaust pipe. So, uh, anyway, so there's, those are examples of the opposite of wisdom. And for the ladies in the room, I just want to encourage you, men are, especially teenage men, are seven times more likely to get the Darwin Award than women are. And as you move into the 20s, it kind of wears off a little bit, but there's still high potential there. And uh, I, I thought about doing one of my embarrassing moments to talk about a lack of wisdom, but the things that I did involved cars, and uh, they're more like, ouch, you know, you kind of walk away painful hearing my embarrassing moment stories rather than laughing, unless some of you are, again, the British humor. Neil, I could probably get a chuckle out of Neil. He, a belly laugh. Can you imagine Neil with a belly just bowled over, out of control? That would be me telling my stories. So uh, we all need wisdom. We don't want the Darwin Awards. Want to make sure you got good posture in your CrossFit situation there. Stop, don't try to do any of this stuff. <laughs> so uh, how many of you need some wisdom? A little bit, you know? Most of the time when we talk about this, we need wisdom for, we're, we've got big questions that we're dealing with, right? Like, who do I marry? Should I take this job? We've got major financial decisions that we're thinking about. I need wisdom. What do I do? I've got to move. Should I move to Australia? That could totally destroy my career. No, I'll do it. So, uh, <clears throat> but... Uh, you know, the, the point that I want to make here is just, this is the phrase, what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? Ask God for wisdom. Ask Him. And as an illustration of this, James 1.5, you know, where we want to ask for this. Here's a, here's a story. So we're moving back over into orthodoxy here. And I want you to open up your Bibles, your gadgets, to 1 Kings chapter 3. A story out of the life of Solomon, son of King David. And uh, David has died. Solomon's assumed the throne. He's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of questionable. David is this huge figure in history and certainly in the nation. And uh, his son has taken over the responsibility. And what's he going to do? And I, I want to just give you the uh, spoiler here, spoiler alert, that what happens to Solomon is that God says, what do you want? Just gives him a blank check. So what would you do if you got a blank check from God? So, let's read this. 
1 Kings 3.4, the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings at that altar. So the temple has not been built yet. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared, so he's given a thousand offerings, major expression of worship, major place of submission in his life. And the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne to this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. I think he may have been around 20 years old. He was not very old. So he's not a little child, but he's, so he's, he's accurate in saying his immaturity here. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings." So what did Solomon do when he didn't know what to do? He asked God for wisdom. Now, I kind of see this as, as like the, uh, the genie in the bottle moment. My kids, I, I had a, a certain season of Disney experiences that uh, may be different from yours. But my children watched Aladdin with their little kids. And uh, uh, I love Robin Williams and... Uh, you know, so guess which part I played in that movie. And, uh, <clears throat> but uh, it's always, they're fighting over this ability to get a request granted. This is the most powerful thing, the most significant thing that you could have. And you know, Jesus, is, you don't have to wait for a supernatural moment. You don't have to wait for an audible voice. God's saying to each one of us, what do you want? And he's, he's really, he honored, he's given us an example of what direction to go in. He honored what Solomon did because it was unselfish. It was according to his character. But I, I, so I commit to you that if you ask for wisdom, God will give it to you. James 1.5, again, a couple of passages I want to put in front of you just to cement this in your mind. Again, so you're desperate. You're in this place where you're beginning a new year. As a church, we're beginning a new season. I feel a great need, a pressure, a burden to have God's wisdom. All of us, what, we want to not just do good stuff. We want to do the right thing. We want to do what is on God's heart. And so... He said, yes, you give it to us. If we ask in the name of Jesus, you know, 
some people have a problem saying, just ask anything. But we can have great confidence if we're asking according to his will in his name. So in the name of Jesus, Father, will you give us the wisdom we need today to honor you? Do you like that prayer? Is that something you can say, I can pray that prayer with energy, with my whole heart? Well, I want to distinguish just a moment two different types of wisdom. I started off talking a little bit for that, God, give me wisdom in this really difficult thing. Now, Solomon had that, uh, the very next passage, Solomon had an experience of a word of wisdom. And this is that, that passage where two prostitutes came up to him, and one of the prostitute's children, babies, had died during the night, and the other one, uh, the one who, one of them, the baby died, went over to the other woman, took her child took the live child and placed the, the dead child with the other woman. The woman woke up, realized, said, this is not my child, and they went before the king. And David has this phenomenal wisdom to determine who the mother is. He says, slice the baby in two. Does that sound wise? What's the immediate response? The real mother says, No! Keep the baby alive. You can have the baby. And the one who is not the mother says, no, no, slice him in two. So God gave a word of wisdom in that moment to say, this is the real mother. Now, that's one type of wisdom. But there's also, and in, in general in life, we're looking for something that is more deeper and longer term when we talk about wisdom. My wife, one of the things that I discovered when we were dating early on is that when she was a little girl, she had a goal in life. She said, I want to be a wise old woman. And that deeply impressed me. I said, this is, this is the goal in her life. This is who she wants to be. And I was looking for a wise woman. I'd read Proverbs 31, you know. I knew that all single men should be asking for a Proverbs 31 wife. So uh, I found one. So, but generally, wisdom is a slowly accumulated thing. And James 3.13, so James talks about wisdom in different places, right? In that passage in the, in the third chapter, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. So wisdom's not just getting an answer for a specific situation. Wisdom is understanding. And one translation of this passage with uh, uh, Solomon is that he's asking for an understanding heart. It's discernment, seeing clearly the depth of the heart of the matter. That's wisdom. You're in a conflict. You're in a, 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 many of the situations in our life, you know, we, we know this is what you're supposed to do. But often we're faced with places where it's complicated. Relationship dynamics, work dynamics, our, our extended families. Has anybody ever had a complicated situation with extended family? 
and you say, I need wisdom. I had a, a text from a friend yesterday. They said, we got 24 hours with our extended family. We desperately need wisdom. These people, the marriage is about to break up. This whole thing's happening here. God, show us how to do this. Well, the, the wisdom for that situation didn't come out of a one-moment thing. It came out of an accumulation of a growth and pursuit of God's heart over decades. Um, another couple of definitions of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in Proverbs 9.10. And I, I, I think when we're, we're dealing with this wisdom issue, it's important for us to say, to test our hearts at times and say, am I really looking for God to do something or am I looking for his character? Am I just looking for God's hands or am I looking for his heart? So when you're stuck in a place and you're, you're not able to move forward, you know, okay, Mark, I've tried that. I've asked for wisdom. Nothing's happening. I've got it down this road. I've done this thing that you're saying. I'm asking for wisdom. Nothing's going on. Let me give you a couple of principles. We're going to take a just step to the side here in this story and say, when I'm stuck, there's some spiritual, scriptural principles that I go back to. Number one, have I obeyed the last thing God told me to do? So often we're saying, God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And he says, the last time I answered that question, did you do it? And the reason you're not getting clarity right now is because the answer is no. I didn't really obey the last thing that God told me to do. So, what was it that God told you to do last? What was the place of obedience that's unfinished? Go there. The second thing that I, I do at those seasons is, uh, <clears throat> is what my dad, dad told me. Mark, when all the pressure's on, when you're feeling the crisis moment, just put one foot in front of the other. I said, don't swing for the fences. Get base hits. Do the basics. When you're when you're placed like that and you're saying, I need wisdom, I need wisdom, it's not coming. Get up in the morning, get your cup of coffee, get out your Bible and read it. And spend some time in prayer. Do the basics in a consistent walk with the Lord. And again, a lot of times we've veered off into confusion in our lives. Because, in a sense, we've stopped eating our spiritual vegetables. We've stopped doing some of the basics. So, uh, I was talking with a friend recently, and they're in a very difficult place. And I said, what would it take for you to get three hours out of this week and just pull back and pray and read the Bible? And I was like, oh, you know, that's not going to be able to happen until, like, Thursday night. I said, Okay. Can you do it on Thursday night? I said, yes, I think I can do that. Okay, let's pray. Let's just take a, a step back and just get centered again. And don't just pray a simple prayer, but get a good meal in at that moment. Another thing, sometimes we don't have wisdom. James says again, because you don't ask for it. 
You don't have because you don't ask. It also says you don't have because you've asked because of your own lust. You're asking for something that is not in the center of God's character, is not in the center of his heart. So go back to the last thing that you were supposed to do. Find out the basics and just ask. God, give me wisdom. Ask him again and again and again and again. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? Alyssa, what do you do? She's, she's tracking with me. She's right on top of this. So here we are. We're going we're gonna to act on this. Now, again, I've, I've kind of been focusing on just the last few minutes that we're, we're looking for more than just a one-time thing, right? But today we're going to ask for some one-time things also. We're going to ask God to speak. We want to ask Him to give you clarity in difficult situations. As the band comes up, we're gonna, what we've decided to do this morning is to take a little bit longer time in worship at the end. And I want to give you some options of how to approach this. How many of you, when there's a response time, often think, that's not for me, but I'd love to just sit here in my chair and pray and journal? Anybody... That, you know, it's like, I would prefer sitting in my chair and journaling rather than running down to the front. Anybody that relevant to out there? I see that hand. That's the first thing we're going to do. I want you to get some paper, get an electronic device that lets you type on it. You can maybe even use a recording on just, you know, be super efficient. But I, I want you to take a moment right now as we worship, say, Lord, I desperately need your wisdom. I really need to hear your voice. Then just get caught up in looking at him. Take some time and, and reshift all of your affections and your attention. And listen. Just kind of stay in a place of worship. You can ask that question again several times. But you're, we're, I believe the Lord honors our time together. You can think, whoa, I, I could have had a prayer time out in the park today. It's sunny, it's still a little cold, but you could have done that. But in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, do not neglect the assembly of the saints. Do not neglect these gatherings. And there's a reason for that. It's our mutual encouragement. It's our worship of the Lord. But I also believe that there's a place of strength that as we gather and worship, it draws God's presence in a special way. That there is, there's a, it's like the dial's turned up a few more notches. So you're not passive today. You're engaged and you're asking. I had a time once in, in uh, Seoul, Korea. It's a small gathering of 20,000 people in an all-night prayer meeting at the largest church in the world. And I, I had this deep awareness that I could ask God anything and He would answer me. 
That didn't mean I would ask him for everything and poof, it would happen. It meant he would speak to me. I would get something that out of the box wisdom, not just this narrow thing I was focusing on, but God would speak in a way that would bring clarity and discernment into my perspective. And so I, I just sat there in this super saturated environment of intercession and one of the most intense experiences of the presence of God I've had in my entire life. And I knew, wow, I'm, I'm just plugged in and I journaled and asked questions and journaled. And it was in that environment that the Holy Spirit spoke to me my life purpose, something I've actually been involved in for the last more than 30 years. I believe he speaks. And I believe he speaks big things. But it was, it was in that atmosphere of, of, of corporate prayer, of atmosphere of worship. And I just took, I was, I was connected to that, but I took some time alone and prayed. So we're going to do that. But we're also, I, for some of you, this is a time of consecration. And you do need to come to the, do need to come to the front and get on your knees and say, Jesus, everything is yours. And uh, you can know that it's you because your heart is beating really hard, fast right now and you're saying, no, I don't want to do that. Okay? And, uh, but it's a, something in a breakthrough in your life happens in consecration. And I'm not telling you you need to, to do that for any period of time. You just may need to come do that and go back to your seat. But there's a place of consecration. Jesus, I give you my life. What do we do at the beginning of the year? It's fresh submission. Take everything. Maybe for the first time. Maybe you've never really bowed your knee to Jesus as Lord of your life. Everything I am. Come and do that this morning. And one last thing. I'm going to need some of our uh, ministry leaders to come up to the front could be uh, uh, a faith group leader and when I ask you if you want to pray with somebody and ask God to speak in that environment you know we don't, we don't have all the answers but we can pray with you we can ask God for God's voice we can ask for his discernment ask for his revelation and he does that it's uh, <clears throat> Paul said 1 Corinthians 14, I would that you would prophesy. So, uh, this is a desirable thing. It's good. Desire prophecy, he says. So, uh, let's stand up right now. You got some, I've given you three options. And you're asking for wisdom today. And God's going to speak to you. So you're probably going to need to write it down, okay? You need to record these things when God speaks to you. It's not just a passing thought. He could be speaking something really significant to you today, okay? But only if you ask Him. And only if you... This is what, what Solomon did. It was this deep submission, a deep place of worship in his life. God came in and spoke to him. So, uh, 
couple of people come on up and, and pray for others. You join me. That'd be a, a place of service. I'll be among those. Now let's worship. We're going to take the next ten minutes and just worship and pray.
sing another song. This is a soaking time. So it's not over. I'm going to keep going here. Just another five minutes. All right? And if you feel like the Lord's speaking to you, anybody out there getting any clarity? Just keep asking. You know, this is not a, he's not like a Coke machine, boom, put money in, something comes out. It often comes, there were a thousand sacrifices that Solomon gave before God spoke. It was a season, it was a period of time, so this may be going on for several days in your life, even weeks. But today we're asking for fresh fresh life. He would use this moment. Okay, so let's worship again. Keep asking. Write it down if he's...
by God's word, inspired, really believe, I'm confident that he loves to speak to you. You're a sheep, not a goat. Sheep hear his voice. So I'm going to pray pastoral prayer over you. An appropriate thing to do at this time, whenever there's a blessing, is just to put your hands out. I want to receive every bit of this. If there's any blessing, Lord, I ask for you to soak my brothers and sisters this week deeply with a spirit of wisdom and revelation. The eyes of their hearts will be enlightened to know the hope of your calling, the glorious riches of, your, of their inheritance as saints, and the surpassing greatness of your power toward them as believers. Soak them. Let waves of your grace and discernment and wisdom flood their lives this week, Lord Jesus. Not just for them, but for everyone that they come into contact with. You're blessed. Have an awesome week. Greet each other as you head out.